everybody. It's Extra Rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis along with Pearl Gonzalez. It is a Thursday edition of your favorite mixed martial arts related program. I mean, it's pretty safe to say if they're tuning in, like we got to be their favorites, right, Pearl? Of course. I, we I'd should like to be. Think so. We We're, should right. be like everybody's favorite. Yeah, Everybody. exactly. So we're live here on Facebook, also on Twitch. We're going to open up that uh, Twitch line if you want to ask some questions. Just drop it in the chat. We'll make sure to get it on the air and uh, chat about uh, whatever it is that you want to talk about. Um, what I want to talk about is a phenomenal fight card coming up this Saturday night. Our main event, mm-hmm. we've already talked a little bit about it. Corey Sandhagen taking on TJ Dillashaw. Uh, for Corey Sandhagen, this has got to be the biggest fight uh, of his career in a lot of ways because you're talking about TJ Dillashaw, who's a former champion. You, you talk about a game changer that Dillashaw was in, in his prime. Uh, this is a, a very big opportunity for Sandhagen, who's coming off that flying knee knockout uh, over Frankie Edgar. And for TJ Dillashaw, I mean, everything is on the line. This might really be the biggest fight of his career in a roundabout way when you think about what he's sort of uh, had to endure the last two years. He's, he's you know, gone uh, through a suspension. He's been very uh, vocal uh, about that and open and honest with uh, with fans. And, and I think he's done a, a fairly good job at trying to get back some of the, the fans he had prior to the suspension. But TJ Dillashaw is going to go out there, I think, with a chip on his shoulder. So, uh, you know, not, uh, not a ranked opponent is TJ Dillashaw, but he's could very well be not only ranked, but near the very top of the list if he gets past Sandhagen, who's currently ranked number two. Your thoughts on this main event, Pearl, uh, coming up Saturday night? No, I got this fight is incredible. Like, I am so excited for it. There are just, obviously, both of these guys have knockout ability. So both of them can knock each other out. So that fight can go that way. Or it can be like one of the greatest fights ever. The striking ability between these two is, I mean, we know what Corey just did. And, and I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I guess you're right in a sense that this may be his biggest fight ever. But, I mean, he's just coming off of a win from the biggest fight ever. Right. You know, fighting fighting a legend um, like Frankie Edgar and, and you know, handling that fight and, and, and how he finished that fight. He, I mean, he's definitely one of the runners for knockout of the year. I mean, that was insane the way he knocked out Frankie Edgar. Um and, uh, you know, I think TJ, TJ has had so many big fights in his career. He's had so many of these amazing, magical moments throughout his career. I feel like this is a different type of biggest fight of his life, if, if you want to call it that. He's got a lot to prove. He's got a lot on the line as far as what, what he's coming back from. Um, there's a lot of adversity. There, there's a lot of fighters people fans you know that are questioning him and his integrity I, I think because of why he's he's been gone for so long but you know I think that the TJ's in a really good headspace um watching the media and, and you know the the lead up to this fight he's in a good place he's 100% accountable for his actions um he he's not at all sorry or or like re- I guess he's remorseful but he's not like oh poor me I made a you know terrible right. decision it was He's not making excuses. No, he's one hundred percent accountable. And and in times, we all we all are are blessed with the ability to make decisions. And and at times, we we always don't make the best decisions. And I think that this was one of those times for him, with what he chose to do with that last fight. Uh, so this fight is very interesting. I think Corey wants to prove that he is the champion, and that's what he said. Is he said, "I'm going to beat him." I'm going to I'm going to fight for the title and then I'm going to begin my legacy. And so I think that 
for that reason, Corey, Corey wants to prove he's the best and, and clearly number two in this division. This isn't, this isn't an easy division to, to be number two. in. he's proven in so many ways that he is one of the best. And, and I think that putting a stamp on, on this fight on Saturday night would be huge. Just, you know, what he's always known and what he's always believed of himself uh, to be and, and to be that chance, just, just his way, like he said to his legacy, um, so this fight is incredible. There's there's so many different ways this fight can go, yet there's just stars written all over it. 100%. You talk about the uh, self-belief that Corey Sanhagen has for, for good reason. He's got momentum on his side, 14-2 and two as an MMA pro, 7-1 and one inside the UFC, uh, made his UFC debut back in 2018. And, of course, we're talking about that flying knee knockout of Frankie Edgar. I mean, that was his last performance out there and, you know, one that he can definitely build uh, off of. Uh, 64% finishing rate in his victories. He's also earned three performance of the night bonuses. Uh, there's a reason he's got that number two next to his name, but uh, let's not let numbers tell the entire story story because while there's not a number next to TJ Dillashaw uh, in his name as far as a ranking is concerned he has a lot of other numbers behind him uh, as well 12 and 4 uh, inside the UFC obviously a former UFC bantamweight champion 69% finishing rate in his victories and look at this this is the big edge I think when it comes to experience with Dillashaw 4 and 2 in UFC championship bouts he's also tied for the most bantamweight stoppages with Cheeto Vera uh, at 8 so when you look at Dillashaw uh, you know granted it's been 2 years Years since he's been inside the octagon, uh, don't don't sleep on his uh, uh, skills and ability. I, I think that he definitely has a chip on his shoulder and, and plans to come out and, and make a statement. And he has that opportunity with someone like uh, Sandhagen. But my question, I guess, now Pearl, is when you look at Corey Sandhagen, a lot of momentum on his side. It would be a statement win if he's able to get past T.J. Dillashaw, who again hasn't fought in two years, but still a former champion, someone you know very familiar uh, of being. You know, with being successful in the spotlight. Is this a good fight, though, for Sanhagen? Because the name value for Dillashaw, it's still high. Don't get me wrong. But there are a lot of people that are going to look at Dillashaw and say, well, look, he hasn't been fighting for the last two years. We know he's been through some personal adversity. Uh, if Sanhagen you know, beats him, is that going to take away anything? Is the risk-reward there for Corey Sanhagen being number two, taking on a, an unranked opponent in TJ Dillashaw? 100%. I think that as an athlete, you want to stay active. You want to, you know, you're constantly training. We know he's in the gym. We know he's improving daily. We know he's 100% committed to his UFC career. And you need to test yourself. You need to challenge yourself. You need to go out there. You need to have these big moments. He's a main event against one of the biggest names in the division ever. And so absolutely, this is a great fight for him. This is a great fight to test his skills we know that TJ has has gone against the best in this division. I mean, we just saw it. He's had six championship fights. That's amazing. I mean, he's he's just one of those guys that very few will will be able to to uh, to get to, you know, in the UFC. And so, with that being said, I think that this is an amazing fight for Sanhagen to go out there to show that he is that next generation. He is the next the next champion his skills and and his work is what is today and and he's today and uh so yeah i think that this is this is an amazing fight for for san hagen 
We talk about T.J. Dillashaw, uh, again, a point to prove to try to, you know, have a, a return to form. Um, there are questions, though. You know, we, we invoked the name Dominic Cruz earlier, who uh, undoubtedly is just not affected by ring rust. That man is... is come back time and time again and proven that ring rust is not a factor. But that is not the hard-lined rule to, to every single athlete in mixed martial arts. So two years away for Dillashaw, that is going to be a question. I think we'll have that question sort of answered in the first few moments of the fight. But mentally, that's where I'm more worried about uh, Dillashaw when it comes to this fight because there, there are limited fans in the Apex. Uh, they have the VIP packages. It's still significantly smaller than if they were fighting, say, uh, inside T-Mobile. But th- there will be a-, a bit of a crowd there that can be vocal. And if you're T.J. Dillashaw, I, I got to assume that that's going to weigh on you a little bit. I remember when Sean Shirk had similar issues with this. He was booed a lot, especially when he fought B.J. Penn. And, and Sean talked about how it bothered him that fans would boo him in the arena, and then he would go back to the fighter hotel, and people would want to get autographs and photos. And he's like, there's no way that you were in the building and you weren't one of the people booing me like everyone you was hating me there and now they want my attention i assume dillashaw is as mentally prepared for something like that as he can be but is that something you can even prepare for being you know once heralded as one of the greats of the divisions a fan favorite to maybe being uh, someone that gets more booze than cheers at least immediately upon return You know, I think that as an athlete, we can either allow distraction, we can allow outside things that that don't really matter because all that matters as a fighter, as an athlete, is the 15 or 25 minutes, if you are fortunate enough to have, is those minutes, those moments, and they pass by if, if you're focused on anything else. And so I think that some fighters use that. Some fighters use that pressure and, and make gold out of it. Usman is a great example. He's always proving that he's the king and he needs that. He need, I, I believe he needs that to feel that, like he's the, the, that he's the disliked or, or whatnot, right. to, to come out and show and prove. Um, and then there are some fighters that, that, you know, that bothers or that hinders. Like Connor's a great example of that. You know, he's, He's kind of been a villain for a long time. So it's dependent upon the fighter. I know that watching the, the lead up to this and, and in the media, they, they did ask uh, TJ this question. And TJ answered it in a great way. He said, I'm fortunate enough to fight in the Apex where there are limited fans. There will be some fans. And right now, where I'm at in the sport, I am the villain. I am the bad guy. And so uh, this is probably the best opportunity for me to kind of get my feet wet, to, to put my toes into the water were his words, and and just kind of get back. And if he puts on an amazing performance, you say this constantly, the sport is, is all about now, right now right. in the moment. And if he comes out and puts on this amazing performance – do they do they forget about what just happened and what he's coming back from? That's a great question. So, I mean, one thing that I've learned about fight fans and I think American fight fans as a whole, I mean, they'll be hard on you, but there's nothing that fight fans like more than a good comeback story. And if he does right. well, I think they'll embrace him with open arms. Absolutely. And you have to think about it like this. I just said this. We all are given the opportunity to make decisions. We don't always make the best decisions. He obviously did not make a good decision. He cheated. He said that. He's aware of it. He's accountable for it. What does he do with that now? And and will this make him a better athlete? Will this make him a better fighter? Does this give him more to prove? Does that give him more motivation to wake up and to prove that 
his legacy and what he's done in this sport was not a fluke. It was, it's real. And he is who he is without whatever he was using. So um, I think that, you know, we'll see how this plays out. We'll see. I think I personally believe that TJ is one of those fighters that was ahead of the game. He was like the first in his generation or the first in his time and the, his movement and his skills and his talents that he had, you know, we didn't see that. We haven't seen that before today. The sport has evolved so much and, and it's evolving faster than it ever has before. And so that we'll find out has the sport evolved and surpassed him or, or is he still that the guy that is, you know, just kind of setting trends and, and, and being that, what do you call that? Give me a word. Give me a word. Give me a word. Uh, a guy that's setting trends? Like he's like, like a trailblazer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's a good word. That's what I'm here yeah. for, Pearl. <laughs> well, one thing I will say with TJ, he obviously has some some mental hurdles to, to get over and, and challenges there. But uh, if that is too much or something that is a hindrance from you know him putting his focus on Corey Sandhagen, that's a big problem because Sandhagen has been active. He's been successful coming off uh, you know a, a huge win over Frankie Edgar, who's a legend. Uh, he would love to punch his ticket to potentially a title fight if he gets past TJ Dillashaw. Do not miss it. It is your main event this Saturday night inside the Apex in Las Vegas. Co-main, also in the Bantamweight division, uh, the ladies will take center stage as uh, Aspen Ladd, the number three ranked Bantamweight, takes on Macy Chasson. Uh, Aspen Ladd has been away for a while, suffered a, an injury outside uh, of uh, competition and has had to battle back. She has been you know, a, a top shelf contender at 135 since she showed up inside the UFC and she hopes to pick up uh, a bit where she left off. She's taken on Macy Chasson, who won the Ultimate Fighter. It blows me away that Chasson is, you know, not only having uh, success in the bantamweight class, but she seems to have momentum on her side in a way that I didn't necessarily think was possible. Mainly because she's a featherweight. She's a gigantic bantamweight, but she's making the weight at 35. She's had success, and now she has a huge opportunity taking on uh, Aspen Ladd. It's going to be a, a very fun uh, fight and a fight of consequence for both of these uh, athletes. I'm curious your thoughts, though, on Aspen Ladd. When you look at you know what she's gone through, we talk about ring rust. Uh, you know she's had to you know take a lot of time off to recover. I believe from a knee injury. She's now coming back. Uh, you know a co-main event assignment. Uh, on, on a card like this, I mean, it's not, I, personally, I don't think it's ideal. Aspen Ladd may find it to be ideal, but when, when you've been away uh, due to injury for, for a while, is this necessarily the, the right spot for you to come back to? And, and how do you think she'll look at having this time on the shelf? Absolutely. She's number three in the world. You know, she's got to go out there and, and showcase why she's number three. She's such a talented athlete. She has been, she's young. Uh, she's been fighting the toughest. I mean, she's fought some really big names here. We're watching her fight Tanya Evinger, who is one of uh, our sports pioneers. Uh, Tanya is, is very tough and, and, you know, a champion from other organizations and whatnot, but she's also fought Sahara twice mm -hmm. and beat Sahara. I mean, she's, she's fought some big names. She's such a well-rounded fighter. I mean, look at her. You see her clinch work. She's got great clinch. She's got great grappling abilities good striking. I mean, she's just a very well-rounded fighter. She carries a lot of power. Um, and, and, you know, she's just one of those fighters that, you know, is going to be in the sport for a very long time at, at the highest, at the top of the, the division right. as well. And so I think that this is, this is exactly where she needs to be is, is co-main event, um, showcasing that, 
you know, her time off, she did, she suffered a ACL and MCL tear. Um, and that time off, there was nothing wasted. This is part of our game. Part of this being an athlete is, is you, you get injured and, and that she, you can come back, you can come back not so good or not as good, or you can come back a hundred percent better than, than when you left or when you were injured. And so I think that's a, that's a big, uh, big statement she's got to make is that she, she is, she is that number three. I think it's a great opportunity for Macy as well. Macy's number 10 right now. Um, and she's had, I think, almost double the amount of fights that Aspen has had in the UFC. She's only lost one. So she's had six fights in the UFC. Um, she's only lost one. Like you said, she's a featherweight. She's the longer fighter, the lengthier fighter. Um, this is a huge opportunity for for Macy as well to, to come in here, to be a co-main event in this, to fight a tough opponent like Aspen Ladd. And, and show that she's next She's next, and she's definitely a contender in this division. You mentioned the win over Tanya Evinger for Aspen Ladd. That's one thing I think people overlook sometimes is Tanya mm-hmm. has faltered under the sport's brightest lights. But when you look at what she's done, as you mentioned in other organizations, but also outside of the sport, Tanya Evinger was likely to be an Olympian, but the Olympics didn't have her weight class the year that she made the national team. She's that good of a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And, and going back to the Aspen Ladd fight, Aspen was able to bully her and, and take it to her. And not many people will bully and dominate Tanya in that way. They may beat her. But not the way that Aspen Ladd beat her like she was here. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if she can return to form like that, and especially when you talk about Macy Chasson, who is so big. When, when you talk about that imposing will and, and force, it's one thing to do it to a comparably sized opponent. I'm not saying that Macy Chasson is fighting a weight class above Aspen Ladd. They'll both make weight. Um, but mm-hmm. that said, uh, come fight time, they're not necessarily the same weight that they were on weigh-in day. We'll see if Aspen Ladd can deal with not only that size, and, and maybe the weight that Chasson uh, puts on, but also, as you mentioned, that, that reach. That, that's going to be the yes. big factor here. Because when you go mm-hmm. back to Aspen Ladd, like, she got dropped early in her Jermaine Durandamy fight, and the fight was over. She mm-hmm. you know, protested, but if, if Chasson can hit her in the face quickly and catch her off guard, that's where the ring rust, fast, ring rust factor may play in here. Uh, it, it could be fireworks early. I, I don't want to miss any part of this fight here in her co-main. Yeah, I agree. I think that both of these ladies both have knockout abilities. They both have finishing abilities. Um, and Aspen is like, we just saw her ground and pound. She has incredible ground and pound, her clench, just her grappling overall, her control in the fight. I think her awareness, her fighter IQ is extremely high. And she is, she's a, she's one of those young and up and coming tough opponent, very tough and very talented. Um, Macy's number seven. I'm sorry. I thought she was number 10. Excuse me guys. But, uh, yeah, Macy, I think Macy, this is a big fight for her to prove that she's, she's next. You know, this is, this may be a, you know, a contender who's next or who's a, who's in contention. Um, so this is a big fight for the, for the Bantamweight division. Speaking of young up-and-comers, we see a pair of flyweights take center cage. Uh, I don't know what happened there. We'll figure that out. Uh, There we go. Miranda Maverick and Macy Barber. Uh, they're fighting one another. Number 13 ranked uh, Miranda Maverick taking on uh, the number 14 ranked Macy Barber. When you look at this fight, I mean, both young uh, women in their mm-hmm. career, both have been under that proverbial spotlight, though, immediately uh, fighting in the UFC. But this is definitely the, the biggest fight in the UFC run for Miranda Maverick. Macy Barber, former co-main event where she uh, fell short to Alexa Grosso. But I, I look at this fight, and, and I'm curious, Pearl, what you think when it comes to the pressure for these athletes 
athletes. Uh, Macy Barber has more of that UFC shine in the past fighting in a co-main, but Miranda Maverick showed up and has really taken uh, over some some shine on the division. She's definitely a, a young up-and-comer that people have been forced to pay attention to. But does, does Macy Barber have a bit of an edge here at all, having been you know in a co-main event uh, in the past where this is Miranda Maverick's first main card fight? You know, Macy Macy has had most of her career under the spotlight. She talked about that, how most of her career has been under the spotlight. Uh, she didn't have much of an amateur career. So she's, she is. She's accustomed to the lights, the bright lights. She's accustomed to the noise and, and people talking about her and, and even her name. Her name is the future. And, and she's she said multiple times she believes wholeheartedly that she is going to be a champion. Uh, this is this is one of those fights where I think both of these women, we will see them. They may they might meet again. Uh, both of them are 23, 24, very young. I believe that they are going to be in the sport for a very long time. Incredibly talented. I think that Miranda does have the edge in the grappling. I think that Miranda is, is very strong, very explosive, very, very smart, and, and has a great IQ, knows how to stick to her game plan, um, you, uh, you know, and just can come out and, and grapple. And uh, Macy is just one of those fighters that's extremely explosive. I mean, she hits so hard. She comes out and she every punch she's trying to, to, take, your, to take your head off. And, uh, you know, can, if she can catch and, and, and capitalize on her striking, I do believe she has the striking edge in this fight. She can capitalize on it. We might see a knockout. We might see, we might see her hurt Miranda. Um, but I do think that if the fight goes on, I do believe and see Miranda kind of coming and taking control over this fight. It's a great fight. Both of these women, I do believe this is not their first and only time they will meet. The elephant in the room here is that you've shared the cage with Miranda Maverick. Talk about that experience, though, because every time I talk to anyone who's fought Miranda, she doesn't like this when I bring it up because she thinks it demeans her technique. But they talk about how strong of an athlete mm -hmm. she is. What are your thoughts? Like, what, what were your takeaways from, you know, going uh, the time that you did with, with Miranda in, in the cage? Was, was it something Were you caught off guard or were you surprised by her strength at all? You know, I, I was prepared for that, but yeah, she is extremely strong. I believe she walked in maybe 17 pounds heavier. So she understands her weight cut. She has her weight cut down. Uh, she's just a strong, big girl for this division. And she's also, she was very composed, very calm, very in tune, listening to her corner. She followed her game plan. She didn't allow for noise or distractions to get in her way. She set she set her goal and she went in and did that. And I think that that was most impressive when I fought her was her ability to just follow her game plan, despite whatever was happening in the fight, uh, very calm and composed, but yes, her strength, she is, she's very, very strong. Um, and, and knows how to grapple. I mean, yeah. she's from a, she grew up on a farm and then she talks about that, you know, she threw hay around and things like that. She threw big things around and heavy things. And you could feel that you could feel that in her. Absolutely. And also too, like sure. Her Muay Thai has come a long way in a very short mm -hmm. amount of time as well. So, uh, you can't just get focused and fixated on fighting her in a grappling, uh, fight. And I'm sure Macy Barber's aware of that. I mean, this woman, as you mentioned, carries the nickname, the future. And if you don't mm -hmm. have self-belief, that's a name you're never going to adopt. But uh, she definitely ha has embraced that, and we'll see a, a pretty fun fight coming up here Saturday night. Uh, uh, flyweight fight that could have a lot of, uh, you know, it, it's weird. You look at these athletes, number 13 versus number 14, and uh, I feel like this is a, a fight where if they bring the best out of each other, they could actually leapfrog. The winner of this could actually leapfrog more than just a couple of spots as far as the rankings are concerned. And, you know, definitely I, I see both of these women being in the top 10 sooner rather than later. 
Absolutely. Both of these ladies, they're both the, they're in the sport for a long time. I see both of them. I see them in the top of the division as well. They're both very talented, very young in their careers, uh, very young at age. Um, and I do, I, I think that we, this isn't the first and only time we'll see these two fight. I think that they're in the career and in the UFC for the long run and, and they will. They'll. They'll absolutely. Both of these ladies yeah. will make it in the top ten. They're 100%. both in their early twenties. So, like, as long as they can, you know, can remain consistent and stay in the UFC, I, I don't see a world where they don't maybe even have a trilogy. I hate to say that, you know, right. when we're going into the first fight, but you know, they, they both could be in this division in the UFC for ten years. Really, honestly, they right. could. We'll see what happens though. As uh, chapter one of maybe multiples uh, are headed your way this Saturday night. Let's take a look back at last Saturday night a little bit as Islam Mikashev took on Tiago Moises. Uh, it was a, a, a good fight for Mikashev. When you look at him, a lot of people are uh, really hyped on him. Moises was a, a good challenge. Uh, it was a big opportunity for him, but stylistically just wasn't a great fight for the Brazilian. When you look at uh, Mikashev, he's sort of that number one charge of Khabib Nurmagomedov, and also one that is sort of uh, continuing the narrative, maybe unfortunately a little bit, uh, of whether or not uh, Khabib would ever come back. Uh, there, there's a lot of talk if, if Mikashev falls short at any point in his career that Khabib might come back to sort of uh, avenge his charge, which, I, I don't know, maybe people are grasping for straws here a little bit, Pearl, but w- what do you think about that? Because like, we can't seem to get away from what if uh, Khabib would, would come back. You know what I mean? That talk is just not going to go away. I, I personally believe that uh, Khabib wholeheartedly is is done, you know, when, and he knows that he knows that he doesn't need to compete. He knows where he stands and, and who he is. I mean, look at his career. It's perfect. How often in this sport has this happened? If ever, I don't think it's ever happened before. And at the level, no, there are some fighters that walked away undefeated, but never capturing a UFC belt and, you know, walking away. Like again, you have to remember what happened in his last fight. The way he dominated, you know, one of the best lightweights in the world and Justin Gaethje was like, I'm done. Like, yes. how can Every we not opponent. want more, though? Do you know what I mean? And that's the, that's the problem. I think people, you know, as we get further and further away from that fight, I still am, am happy that he hasn't come back. I don't want him to come back, but I am a sucker for the narrative of what if, what if this happens? What if, you know, X, Y, and Z, does that equal uh, a Khabib return? I'm part of the problem, Pearl. I know that. I know I'm part of the problem, but it, it's, a, a, you know, a hypothetical that is very fun to entertain. It is. Everybody wants to see Habib come back. Everybody wants to see Habib be challenged because he was so dominant in, in during his time as a professional fighter. But I believe that he's done. He's proven what he's needed to prove. And now he's taken on another role, which clearly he is very passionate about. Yeah. And uh, kind of like took stepped into the footsteps. I don't even know if that's the right way to say that, but like stepped into the footsteps of his father, which right. who is his idol in a sense, you know? And so... Well, how beautiful know, is that? How beautiful is carrying on that tradition? You know what I mean? Like, that's something Absolutely. very special. Like, why would he leave that? Why would he leave that? I think that, you know, he... Because he's the greatest did... of all time. And and always and you... someone wants to test it. Like, I'm sorry. I'll give you all the money in my bank account, which is not <laughs> as much as it should be, if he would fight George St. Pierre. <laughs> I would love to see that. I will give anything to see that potential fight. I don't think that he's interested in any of it. I don't think I he's interested he's not. in any of it. I hope he's not. I hope he gets joy out of depriving people like myself <laughs> of all of these what ifs. <laughs> but I'm still going to be like, what if? Take my money. I, 
you know, I think that uh, he's uh, he's going to put all that into into his fighters now. And you see that. How do you yeah. even say his name? Uh, Islam Makashev. Makashev. Yeah. Makashev. And look at look at how amazing and dominant he was. Like, right. He's putting that art, that passion and those skills in, into the next generation, into the next fighters because he's moved on. He has. And yeah. uh, I just think you need to accept it. I'm sorry. That's fine. But- I'm, I'm OK with, you know, accepting it. But uh, <laughs> you never know. Let's talk about uh, the past and the present and the future. Marion Renault came into her retirement fight against uh, a former UFC champ and Misha Tate. Uh, you know, Misha is a, a pioneer and a trailblazer for women's mixed martial arts. And it, it was interesting, the narrative of Marion Renault coming into this fight for the final time and, and Tate making the comeback. But Wow, what can you say? Like there, there were emotions for me in this fight watching these ladies go to war because you know it's the last time you're going to see Marion Renault and, and Misha mm-hmm. Tate coming back. You want to talk about ring rust and how much change she's had in her life? Uh, she gets the win, and man, like I just I, I felt like we saw something really special. And you know, she answered the first question on whether or not she can hang uh, in the in the division today. Granted, Renault, you know, is on the way out, but Misha Tate looked just as good as she did, you know, when she was having success in the latter part of her career. Oh my God. She looked amazing. Physically incredible. Her body, you can tell she's extremely focused today. Uh, She's doing this today, not because she has to, but because she is so passionate and, and, and wants to be here. And we all go through that as fighters. We go through that where you kind of, I wouldn't say you get burnt out, but you maybe sometimes forget your why or life circumstances get in the way and you, you kind of forget why you've started or, or what that passion even is. And so I think that last week she showed, she showcased how passionate she is about this sport and, and as a competitor, um, because she's remained, you know, relevant or she's remained consistent in the sport in other ways. She she never left the sport really. I mean, just active competition was something that she put on hold for a while. And that, that is something too. I think that, you know, I haven't heard her say this as much, but I think that she fell back in love with the sport by removing herself from being the active competitor, but still very much staying in with the day-to-day grind of what is going on and what it propels the sport moving forward. And uh, I'm sorry, when I look at Misha Tate and, you know, she, she became a mother in this time, um, you know, you look at uh, someone like Mackenzie Dern, who also uh, had a child relatively recently. And for those athletes to come back and have success, I I think that's an understated narrative of what a a a woman has to go through to, you know, mother a child, birth a child, and then get back into shape and just jump right back into the deep end in the, you know, most talented divisions in in mixed martial arts in the UFC. And and to find success, I mean, that's as big as a championship victory in my eyes. I mean, and it's not like they just have this baby and then the bit's over. Like right. they're full-time moms or they've got, they have a full-time job and Misha has a baby baby. So she's full-time sleep. I'm sure deprived at times, you know, baby, your babies come first, especially as mothers. That's, that's on the priority list. And she was still able to come out and show how, mo- or, or how not disciplined, but how uh, focused, dedicated. Yeah. There it is dedicated how dedicated she really is to competing and you know hats off to to renault marion renault marion renault one of the one of those ways there you go and combination marion marion okay hats off to her she's 44 years old yeah 44 like she she joined the ufc at 36 and i mean geez like she's been here this much this much time she's so talented both of these ladies were just inspiring on both ends overall it was an incredible fight to watch. Misha's 
clearly showing that her grappling has not left her at all. Her striking looked good. Her She's always been, though, a dog. Misha has always been a dog. She's always been in firefights. She yep. will take whatever you dish to her to get to what she wants in a win. Or, or she stands in there until she can't. She's always had those fights. And so she showed that. You saw that. But you saw more. I think you just saw her passion to win, to go in there and to stop and, and dominate in there and show that she the sport has not left her. The sport hasn't evolved past her. She's still very well present and still... Uh, motivated to to be the the champion so i think it was it was a great fight to see and even for someone like me who who grew into my career watching her to see her again it was it was almost like a uh, a trip down memory lane to see her walking into the octagon and and see her fighting again it was truly special and remarkable and you know i I spent a a lot of time around women like yourself and and athletes that do have uh children and i'm no no way shape or form saying i know you know i know you know but no way shape or form my saying that i'm on the level of these uh you know athletes but i i do have a a a child and i will tell you it's impossible for me to make my child food without eating some of it so i can imagine (laughs) how they do it while they're in training camp or in a weight cut you know what i mean like I'm I sorry. I'm, I'm a sucker for animal crackers. You know what I mean? Or tater oh tots. Like I got, I'm, I'm, I'm testing them. You know, I got to make sure they're not too hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I bet. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, I bet. I mean, when you prepare food for somebody, don't tell me you don't take a little sample. I am. Know? I am a cheater when it comes to that. I mean, yeah. I'm, I, when I have to be, when it's like, okay, I have no choice, but I have to be disciplined, but I'm definitely sneaking a bite here and there. Especially if they're tater tots, because I mean? exactly. Little, Look at that. I don't even know if those are, but I'm hungry now. So yeah, uh, they're delicious. All right, let's uh, let's talk uh, about some uh, other uh, things that are going to be exciting and appetizing. And I think it's uh, a fight coming up uh, on the undercard of this UFC fight night. Uh, Randy Costa, who I'm going to talk to here in a little bit, he takes on Adrian Yanez. And you and I were talking about this, like. I'm putting this on the short list for potential fight of the nights. Like uh, both of these guys are finishers. Again, I'll talk to Costa here in a moment, but I just don't see a world where this fight isn't fire from the the word go. Oh my God. Both of these talk about future of the sport or next generation, whatever you want to call it. These two gentlemen are it. And they both are dynamic. They're explosive. They're fancy. If you will, with their techniques I That's mean, a this good is, word. They are. They're, one. They're, they're both fancy. They definitely so are fancy. fancy. Yeah. Yes. I yes, mean, one, one's are. also nicknamed Zohan. So, like, Randy Costa. What does that ha- mean? Well, don't mess with the Zohan. Like, he was a diva, like a supermodel guy. And you're, Randy Costa likes his hair. So, like, yeah, you, Zohan. Ah, okay, okay. He's fancy. He's got fancy hair. Unlike, okay, he unlike someone on this hair. program. He Not does have fancy hair and a nice fancy face. I mean, I give I give him that. I mean, but he is a monster. He's a monster. He and I think that his uh just his awareness of his range and his striking is phenomenal. I mean, the head kick, we saw both of these guys are coming off head kick knockouts, aren't they? Yeah. I yep. think they both are. Yep. And they both do. This is what makes this fight so exciting, is they have so much fight IQ, awareness, knowledge whatever you call it in range. And that's very, that's not an easy thing to, to really own and hone. And both of these gentlemen, their ability to put their hands to feet, their feet to hands and just kind of transition from the two and, and the awareness of when my opponent is in my, my, my leg striking range or when my opponent is in my hand striking range, they both are just those, they both have that and they understand that. So 
you see a, you see them throwing their hands, their opponent takes one step back or one step to the left, and then the head kick comes in. And that's how those knockouts happen between for both of these gentlemen. They just have such great awareness of their range and their range ability, um, which makes this fight so exciting because, you know, like how, how does this go? Where does this go? And do we see a knockout? Yeah, I mean, uh, Costa, all of his wins come by stoppage in the first round. Like, he's a finisher. Yanez as well. So it's going to be a firefight. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one where the heat is turned up uh, incredibly quickly. And uh, do not miss that. Make sure you're tuned in early uh, for that fight. It will be one to keep your eye on moving forward. I, I think both of those men are incredibly talented. So um, speaking of heat and uh, getting turned up, apparently in the Twitch chat, I'm being told by uh, producers Frankie and Steve that they're debating this pound-for-pound pound all-time uh, ranking for, for Khabib and it's one that people get fired up at and uh, you know I, I don't know where you put Khabib to me he's like 1A and 1B with George St. Pierre which is why they should fight one another and take all of my money but I don't uh, know we'll, we'll leave it alone I, I definitely think that he's pound for pound did, did your earbud ever. get caught in your like fancy hair over there like what happened no my my hoop got stuck so I was just fixing my hoop you know, I have a pierced ear pearl. I should, I should, I should rock the earring from time to time. I you look should. Like Mr. You Clean. should rock these ones because they're like the best hoop earrings ever. You can, you can use these if you'd like. I'm pretty sure that will just tear my earlobe in half. <laughs> like I'm not. I got to work up to something that heavy. It's not happening. These are actually really light, so they won't tear. They're very, very light, actually. So. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I would look like a really bad pirate if I wore any sort of hoop earring. I think. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm looking at a spider right now, but we're not going to freak out about this. I believe Habib is the greatest of all time. The greatest? Like more, th- more than George St. Pierre? Yes. Yes. Gr- uh, George St. Pierre is a champion of multiple weight classes. I love, I love GSP. I really do. And, you know, he, he just, he has something special about him that no one can ever take away. But he dealt with a lot of adversity in his career. Uh, Habib never dealt with any adversity. He just question, came in uh, and smashed. Right. He didn't deal with a lot of adversity. Adversity tells you a lot about a champion. Uh, I don't know if Khabib can handle George's rhythm. See what uh, I did there? You can't handle my rhythm? I love George. No? Okay. I really do. No, never I mind. don't know. I don't know what's happening right now. That's all right. But I, I love George, but uh, Habib smashes. We'll see. <laughs> well, maybe we probably Habib, won't, but I want. I want to see. Habib does see. what he's always done, and he smashes. What do you think about George? Maybe at like fifty-five, he says he can make that weight. I'm just saying. I think it's great, and I think he's an incredible athlete. I mean, do you see his training videos? I watch him. I follow him. I see his posts every day. Like he's amazing. He's this amazing athlete. He's also one of the first, I think, in the sport to like. He traveled. He never. He never got too fancy. I mean, he would fly regular with a right. little backpack, and he'd go anywhere in the world to find the best coach ever and and to get that work and knowledge and seek it. And he was like the first to kind of like really do that and right. own that. And he dominates people he, on the feet. He's a great wrestler. So mm-hmm. could he do that to Khabib? No. You don't no, know no, that. Khabib, no. You don't know. That's why we need to have the fight to answer that question. You don't know. Uh-huh. I think Habib wins. I'm sorry. And dominates. I think GSP wins. I don't know if he dominates, but... We should play this in the video game and see who wins. Ooh, that's a good idea. Are we just going to let the computer play, or are we going to play against each other? Because I'm pretty sure I'll win. You're probably going to win, but if someone teaches me how to play, Habib's going to win. All right. Next time we are in the same place, (laughs) it's on. And I'm going to win. Someone just has to teach me how to play first. That's it. Well, you better start your camp now. (laughs) Get on it. 
start doing right. like dexterity things with your thumbs and stuff. Deal, deal. All right. Um, we got to go. Uh, are you going right. to be back on Saturday night? Are you going to be hanging out with I me will. for the post I'll be back Saturday night. Perfect. Excited. Thanks, Pearl. It's always fun catching up. Absolutely. Thank you. Ciao, everyone. See you, Pearl. There's Paul Gonzalez here on Extra Rounds. TJ DeSantis, that is me. Getting you ready for an exciting show. We still are not done quite yet. We're going to be joined by the awesome Ari Gold. Not actually Ari Gold. Jeremy Piven, uh, the star of the Silver Screen. He's also hitting the road for a comedy tour. We'll talk about that with Jeremy. Also in the Hollywood world, we're going to be joined by Henry Golding. He plays the lead in the upcoming G.I. Joe Origins film called Snake Eyes. That is hitting theaters on Friday. Henry will chat about that. Also going to be joined by Randy Costa, who, as we mentioned, is taking on uh, Adrian Yanez this Saturday night inside the Apex in Las Vegas. I will be joined by Randy to talk about this fight and uh, whether or not he thinks it might be potential fight of the night. We'll find out as the Zohan is set to join me coming up minutes from now. It's Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. Hearing that Lee Murray was attached to one of the biggest bank heists in the history of the world, you're not surprised. He was fearless. When we're going to have a fight, my job is to have a level playing field to make sure everything is done by the rules. I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters it's for my country, it's for my family. All the things that have happened to me have happened because of fighting. So, fighting's life. My brother got diagnosed with cancer. He passed away. So now, I want to give the best I can in this life. Ladies and gentlemen, what a phenomenal night of fights. Oh, oh my gosh, what a knockout. Oh, huge right hand. Oh, no other sport could give you this many moments. We're back here on Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. Please be joined now by Jeremy Piven. And I'm going to admit, I'm kind of not necessarily starstruck, but I am definitely uh, intrigued by talking to you, Jeremy, because I'm a huge fan of what you've done over your years in, in acting uh, on the, the big screen, uh, on the television with Entourage for so many seasons that it actually made me start to think about you as a person. And like, I feel like I know Ari Gold, but I don't actually know Jeremy Piven. So I, I don't I don't know what to expect here. I know you're a UFC fan. I know you're dedicated to your craft, but I'm excited to get to know you, Jeremy Piven, for the next uh, few minutes or so. No, I, I am actually Ari Gold. Um, it's not a fictional character. That was a it was a documentary. So right. yeah, so I am a type A, uh, aggressive, reactive uh, agent that lives in Hollywood. So I'm sorry, you are mistaken. Okay, I'm sorry. Tell me, though, like when you were playing Ari on, on screen for all those years, you would become that person uh, in a roundabout way. Was it hard to turn it off when, when the cameras would stop rolling? Um, that's a great question. Um, I know that, you know, kind of, I guess you can equate it to fighting. Um, you, you can't really uh, ever not give everything you have. Right. And so, you know, I just would would give everything I had, every take, every scene, every episode, every season, whatever. And as a result, that particular character is, was always swinging for the fences. It would, you know, to equate it to strikes, it would be like he's throwing power punches every every strike. Right. And he's he was so emotionally invested. And so by the time I was done, I was always really, really exhausted. 
And I just, there wasn't, you know, there that was the only way to do it. Um, what, you know, whether I carried it with me, I, I certainly hope not because, you know, I've, and this will bore the hell out of you. And, um, but I, I think, and it's interesting because I was just, I have my own podcast, How You Live in Jay Piven. And I was, um, that, you see that transition? Um, <laughs> I was just uh, interviewing Jorge Masvidal because I'm fascinated by him. And he made this transition. And I was, I was so intrigued by this transition where he went from a, a really good fighter um, to a great fighter right. and demolishing everyone. And he was in the DR and he was on a reality show in the jungle and they took his phone away from him. And he had this kind of come to Jesus moment, for lack of a better term, come to come to the Cuban Jesus moment, right. yeah. if you will. The street Jesus. And, uh, yeah, the street Jesus. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by these guys because, and so he, I had a, br a brilliant conversation with him and I highly urge anyone to listen to that. And I've got a, a, a bunch of UFC guys that I've, I'm lucky enough to know and mix it up with. Um, and your question, do I leave it? I hope I do, um, because if not, it would be really exhausting right. to be running around screaming at people all day. Yeah. I mean, th that that character was just so unique in, in so many ways, and I could definitely feel the, the analogy of throwing those power uh, punches and, and just sort of being exhausted afterwards. You know, Ari Gold definitely would be a, a fight fan, I think. He'd probably start a few fights of his own, but Jeremy Piven, uh, a very yeah. big fight fight fan. You're talking about talking to, uh, you know, guys like Jorge Masvidal. What, what first brought you into MMA? How did you become a UFC fan? You know, I grew up doing... Muay Thai, and I'll never forget it. I was, I was, um, I was sparring, and I broke my toe. And I was working with an old school guy named Benny Arkitas, Benny yeah. the Jet, the Jet, Arquitas. yeah. And Benny goes, "Okay, let's tape it up. Let's go back in." I'm like, "Brother, I am an actor. Right. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done for the day. This is this is me leaving. Thank you so much, Benny." Um, and then I switched to just striking. And my problem was, I, I, I. I was all, you know, that was my main source of training was, was boxing and I loved it, but I just, unfortunately, I didn't go about it the right way and I wasn't warming up my shoulders and I was like Ari Gold and I was throwing power punches and not really rolling my shoulders and I really kind of just tore off my super splenatus and so now I'm an old man and, and I train all the time, but I do it smarter and, you know, I'm running or lifting or doing Pilates, just a lot of stuff that will make people on your station hate me. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, you got to take care of yourself, man. That, that's all yeah. good. That's all good. Um, you know, talking about uh, the podcast a little bit, how you live in J Piven, it's, it's available wherever anybody gets podcasts. Uh, th this is something that I like when actors like yourself dip into the world of podcasting, because like I said, we're all familiar with your characters and, and the roles that you've played in the past, but we get to understand sort of who you are and your sort of natural habitat a little bit. Do you like letting people on the inside a, a little bit? Do you like being yourself in the public spotlight? Well, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, guys like Joe Rogan um, saw this before any of us did, right? And he was—he was a pioneer in doing his thing. Um, and who knew that we here we have technology moving at the speed of light? We can't even catch up with it. And what people really want to hear is people talking and connecting and yeah. and relating, telling stories, and you know, this long form. It's almost like gathering around a radio, and. Um, I've been so excited about this pot, my podcast for a long time for many different reasons. There's so many people I'm fascinated by. Um, 
And so just, you know, I, I Jamie Foxx is on this week, then Mark Cuban and, you know, different guys from Entourage and UFC fighters. And I'm just, you know, because at Cast Media, who, who takes care of me, you know, they were like, Look, what's, what's your lane? And I'm like, man, I'm just, I have so many different lanes because I, I love fighting and I love spirituality and learning about things. And um, I, I just think that, as you know, if you're talking with someone you're curious about, this isn't work. It's right. fun. And, and people get to know who you are so selfishly. Yeah, I've been playing these fictional characters and there's a misconception about me. And by the way, I don't want to play the victim in, and say, oh, I've been misunderstood and um, all of this stuff. And even though it is true, but it's it's my job to to not let it affect me. But also with this medium, I get to have these long form conversations with people and gets and so people get to know who who Jamie Foxx is. I mean, he was so open and Mark Cuban was and and then get to know who I am. And it's it's just a gift, really, because, no, I'm I'm not these fictional characters. I just got done playing opposite Terrence Howard in a movie called The Walk which is about the dismantling of segregation in Boston in 1974, that the busing incident. Mm. And I play a kind of a generational racist who is doing everything he can to, to stop this busing incident. And um, I've never played a character like this. And it's such a volatile time for that. So for me to have the gift of doing a story like this, where, you know, I, I approached Terrence Howard and I said, I got to say the N word a lot. And I love you. And this is not going to be easy. And he was like, if you don't lean into that word, if right. you don't give it everything you got, why are we doing it? And he's right. Of course he is. Um, and I would rather create something that I'm that I've spent my life working on that I'm capable of doing. I'm qualified to do. I'm I'm an actor and I want to tell these stories so that people can see it, see our history. Yep. Form your own opinions. Have a conversation instead of canceling people, instead of. Uh, railing against each other and being these keyboard warriors uh, and putting a lot of effort in it. Let's have a conversation. Let's let's try to find out the truth, the facts, our history, and then navigate through that with arming ourselves with with all of these important tools. Yeah. Otherwise, you know. So, and that's how I I feel I can contribute. I'm not a guy that's going to just rail against uh, you know other people like that. So. I'm very excited about the journey I'm on right now. Um, I'm getting ready to do a prison movie, if you can believe it, where there's a lot of fighting. Uh, and uh, I can't tell you too much about it, but um, it's going to be some Lord of the Flies shit where I'm, I'm, I'm the warden and I'm just pitting people against each other. And it's a great cast. I love it. I warm up when you start doing fight scenes. Don't be you know, tearing any more muscles or anything like that, you know? Yeah, I, I listen, I, I learned from all that stuff. And so... As I'm getting older, I'm, you know, when you get smarter, you know, I, I've even told some other fighters and stuff about about Pilates and working with with the actual reformers with the with the machines, and it really gets to the core of the muscle, and you can't cheat, and it's exhausting. Yeah, I had a friend of mine who was a Muay Thai fighter, and they were just destroyed by it. In in a great way, it's very challenging. I mean, I uh, I watched Johnny Hendricks do hot yoga one time, and I was in the room with him, you know, kind of doing like a that little. Like, that sounds like a like like a punishment if you do was, like seven miles an hour in a school zone. You have to watch Johnny Hendricks do Bikram yoga. That's not that's not visually pleasing to me. Although I do love Johnny Hendricks, and by the way, I was there when he fought GSP, and you know, it, the, the the jury's still out. That was such an incredible fight. What I happened? The, I scored that fight what for Hendricks. 
I scored that fight for Hendricks. But, you know, for, for Johnny, things just sort of fell off, man. Like, this is a sport where y- you can be, you know, championship quality today and then your next fight be kind of not so great middle of the road. And that, unfortunately, I think that was with what happened with Johnny Hendricks. Granted, he, he got a, a welterweight championship, but uh, when the wheels fell off, the big rig just kind of unfortunately lost everything. And uh, yeah, la- last I heard he was doing like bare knuckle boxing. Yeah. I mean, he's such a stud. He He's kind of like cut from the cloth of like Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah. Who, and Kel- Kelvin is, is, um, I just saw him the other day. He's one of your favorites, a, right? You like Kelvin. I love him. He's just such a – he's just so fun to watch. I mean, the idea that he just doesn't take his fat ass and drop down to 170. Right. It's like such an elite, elite fighter. And I'm just like, brother, you're you're fighting these monsters. Make it easy on yourself. Right. Right. Go to 170 and dominate. That's all I ever say to him, and he's tired of it. He's just a, he's 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 a, gr- a great fighter, and and I hope he does do that, you know, because he he walks around at five nine, about probably one ninety, right? You yeah. know, the problem is he had success, Jeremy, at eighty five. It's like crazy. He's knocking out Michael Bisping. It, indeed, indeed. Uh, but just imagine what he would do at one seventy. Right. You're right. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you there. He, he's definitely the, the best 170 pounder knocking people out at 185 pounds on the planet, you know, so uh, we'll see. What like, happens these, these guys have to make so many sacrifices. The training camp this guy goes through. Yeah. And then, the you know, just and anyway, I, I, I listen, I have great admiration for those guys. And, and so when I say these things, I say it out of love. So you're, you're, you know, bringing up uh, Calvin Gaslam. I, I know you like some other fighters. Uh, Dustin Poirier was on a list of guys you like. Tell me what it is about your favorite fighters. Like, give me a couple of favorite fighters that you have and tell me why. Uh, a lot of people tend to sort of look at fighters and, and see uh, themselves living vicariously through those athletes. Are you drawn to any fighter that way? Does any fighter out there in the octagon remind you of yourself? Well, when I look in the mirror, of course, I see Brian Ortega. We are both incredibly good looking. That that was a joke, by the way. He um he no, he's one of Brian's one of these the guys where I, you and Brian, you know, he's got the indeed, locks. Indeed. indeed. Uh, he's you know, Gracie Black Belt and um, Sweetheart of a human being. Yeah, just a great guy, you know, and is so skilled and and you know, comes from you know, really uh, a rough background. And is 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 a very humble guy, you know. Like, um, you know, the, anyone in his team will tell you that he's the kind of guy that he's just like he gets he gets it. He's humble. He's a great student. He works his ass off. And you saw, like, you know, he probably has some of the best grappling skills in the UFC, hands down. Yeah, <laughs> literally, without a doubt. And, <laughs> and you know, suddenly, you know, like everyone has those moments. You know, Dustin had it with with Connor where Connor got under his skin and maybe that was a variable to him losing. All I know it was just a great turning point moment for him where he came back and was just, uh, you know, went to 55 and was on, has been unstoppable. And he's another inspirational dude. Um, but with Brian, uh, you know, he, he had that moment with Max Holloway and then he went back to the lab and his striking, it just went to a whole other level. It's just really fun to watch these guys elite fighters really who are humble who who regroup and then come back even better it's really fun to watch this this journey i like watching guys like izzy 
you know, because as you know, he, when he fought Kelvin, you know, like that's one of those moments where like, okay, you get to see your your favorite fighters get dragged into deep waters and see how they right navigate and thrive. Yeah, I don't, I don't think people remember how competitive that fight really was at the end of the day. You know, Izzy is this mainstream star, you know, obviously went up to 205 pounds, but is really holding it down at, at 185. People forget how much Kelvin Gastelum brought out of him in that fight. Yeah, that was an absolute war. And, of course, we know that moment where he, he mouths, I'm ready to die. And that's that's that moment that I think that, you know, that those guys all prepare for and you don't. And that's what that's, that's why we all watch it. Like, how would we respond in that moment? Um, and uh, I don't know, as, as, as a performer, like, you know, I'm doing stand-up, I'm doing all these things that terrify me, and, um, and it's nothing like, you know, being in the fifth round with Kelvin Gastelum, but, but it, 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 we all have our own journeys. Right. And how are we going to respond in those moments? You know, there have been moments on stage when I was learning how to do stand-up where I thought, you know, I'm bombing so badly. Why am I doing this? You know, uh, it's it's this is humiliating. And you can kind of just walk or you can you can persevere and see where it takes you. And then th that is very empowering in itself. Win or lose if you push through. Well, what's interesting to me is when comedians or, or, you know, up and coming comedians that have notoriety for other things in their life, go out there and put themselves in, in the most vulnerable position, I think on the planet. I mean, you are at the mercy of everyone in that room with their eyes on you. And, and a lot of comedians will say that bombing is necessary. And man, I, I could imagine being in that position while also being someone of note. You know, I, I'm lucky enough that I run into the greats and usually when you run into a great they're they're really humble and like Chappelle um I asked him I said man it just how do you navigate you know regrouping from bombing and he goes you gotta bomb but you gotta bomb at the right time you know <laughs> with the five fingers in the face COVID in your face <laughs> no he is no uh but he's he's an absolute genius and fearless you know, um, he's 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 the goat. He really is the goat. Yeah. Um, for many different reasons. Um, you know, one of the most kind of truthful, uh, fearless, insightful, funny people ever. And um, so, I, I whenever I see him, I just, you know, we always. I, I ran into him last night randomly at a restaurant. You know, um, and he's just always totally present and truthful and you know i just i love like guys like that that you can um they see listen i i'm in in for comedians i've only been doing it for a few years so you know Chappelle's the youngest old comedian in the game he's been doing it since he was 14 oh. and yeah it is terrifying but you have to also understand i started performing when i was eight years old on stage not stand up but you know i was doing sketch comedy and improv in all different forms. And, you know, I did 40 movies before Entourage and I've probably done 80 by now. And um, I started, you know, a touring company with Chris Farley a million years ago in Chicago. So I come from a comedy background. Yes, this is a different gear, but the same engine. And I'm, I'm humbled by it. I love it. 
And um, it's my job to make people laugh. And I'm touring all over the country. I'm heading over to Helium in St. Louis. I'll be there in August. And, and I'm going to Philly for the Keswick Theater. And um, then I'm heading over to London. And it just, the, 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 the grind continues. I, I, I love it. And I got to get up, if I can, every night to get better. Jeremy, that's awesome to hear. You're passionate about this comedy. We obviously know what you've done in, in film, and, and you're a pretty uh, passionate uh, fight fan as well. I appreciate you being so generous with your time. Wish you the best of luck with the podcast, How You Live in J. Piven. Again, available anywhere you get podcasts. And where can people check out uh, tour dates for this comedy uh, uh, You know, sort of uh, venture for yourself? Is, is, there a, is there a set tour that people can you know, follow you on? Yes, uh, jeremypiven.com. If you go to my Instagram, you can get it on there or Twitter or whatever. Um, and yeah, check out my dates. I'll be coming to a town near you, you and I'm, I'm loving it. And, you know, one of the comments I get all the time after my show is, um, I had no idea you were this funny. And I thought, it's one of these backhanded compliments. I'm thinking like, what have I been doing for the past 40 years? Right. I must have really been sucking. But no, it, you know, it's a tribute to stand-up comedy and the work that I'm, you know, I'm able to bring it and I, my openers are always really, really funny. And I, I want to bring a, a good fun night cause we all deserve it. We've, we've had a rough, uh, 16 months. No, definitely. And, uh, things are getting back to normal and, and maybe we'll uh, see you around a UFC sometime soon. And, uh, would love to chat with you further, Jeremy, you're, you're a class act and, uh, I love getting to know you a little bit better. Like I said, I've never talked to Jeremy Piven, seen you do a lot of work, but I've never actually talked to you and it's been uh, a pleasure, sir. Thank Thank you, sir. Say hello to Uncle Dana for me. I miss him. Will do. Will do, Jeremy. Thank you, Thank you brother. See ya. I had my manager call me and say, hey, man, I just got a call from the UFC, and my heart just dropped because I instantly knew. TJ Dillashaw tested positive for a serious performance-enhancing substance. TJ Dillashaw has now been suspended by USADA for two years. This is disgusting. I can't say it enough. I messed up. This is who I am. I'm a fighter. And uh, I'm about to find my way to this one. No one knew. No one, not any of my training partners, none of my coaches. I guess with the pressure on myself of wanting to be the best, I blinded myself from the actual reality of what could happen. He lost two years in the prime of his career. He's going to have to compete and live the rest of his life with this stigma. I don't think he wants to end on that type of note. He needs to get back out there. I'll be coming back and I'll be a three-time UC champ. There's no way you can deny me from that. We're back here on Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis, please be joined now by Randy Costa. You can watch him back in action this Saturday night inside the Ultimate Fighting Championship as the Octagon is back inside the Apex. Randy, appreciate the time, sir. How are you? Doing awesome, man. Just got into Vegas. Um, fight week has started, man. How you doing? Very good, sir. Very good. I, I know that traveling and the, the quarantine thing, it's not everybody's cup of tea. You, you've been through this, I think, uh, not not so long ago, a little bit longer than maybe you would have liked, uh, you know, having the, the injury. But uh, what is this process like? I know things are a little bit more relaxed than they have been throughout the entire COVID process. But uh, the day of quarantine, what do you do to sort of pass it by? I mean, the, the, the actual day of quarantine is much different now than it was back in September when I fought. In September, we were completely confined to our room for the first 24 hours. Right. This is, is much more lax. Um, we just had to be confined to our room until we got the, COVID, the rapid COVID test back. So like 45 minutes. Now we can do whatever we want around the hotel. Um, we don't, we don't have, we can't go and walk around and hang out on the strip and stuff, which right. I can understand. 
Um, but we're not, we're at least not forced to be completely confined to our room. So it's cool, man. It is what it is. The pool's open, so that's nice. 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 What do you normally do during fight week? Like I know a lot of people are still sort of, you know, uh doing some final preparations, just very loose uh you know, workout and thing like that. But like what what do you do to kill time? Like what do you pass the time with? I mean, dude, I, I'm I'm one of I'm one of those guys that I kind of I kind of stay super disciplined in the kitchen leading up into the fight. Mm. So the last the fight week, dude, is so much fun to me because my my weight never really is an issue. Um, so I can kind of like relax a little bit more, not so much focus on like the hard workouts and stuff like that. I can kind of, you know, hang out on my phone and walk around and, and just kind of relax and just kind of take everything in, in that's around me. You know, I worked so hard to get here, dude. Like I try to get here and have, you know, a like a sponge, I get to go and completely take everything in. I don't have anything else, you know, wearing down on me. Like if I had a, if I had a bad weight cut, you know, that would take away from my fight week experience. So I, I fucking love fight week, man. I'm having so I'm, I'm already having so much fun. I've been here for two hours. That's great. That's I mean, that's a good mindset to have, right? Like if you enjoy what you're doing, that's you know not not work. The work's pretty much been done at home, right? Yeah, man. It's like this is. It doesn't get any better than this, man. I, I live near the beach. I got flown into the desert. I get to get into a fist fight on Saturday night make a little bit of money and then go back to the beach too. Like it's, it's nice, man. It doesn't suck. No, definitely not. Let's talk a little bit of, though about uh, some hardships that you had somewhat recently. You were supposed to fight earlier this year. You were injured. You know, walk me through that. What was that process like? What was the road to recovery lo- uh, like to get back to, uh, you know, fighting on Saturday? Yeah. Um. So it was like, so I, I had a really, I had a, uh, a bum load back. My lumbar it was like way banged up. Yeah. Uh, and it was something that had been affecting me pretty much every single camp, but the last camp was the worst that I had ever been. Um, I heard it like six weeks before the fight, took a week and a half off, got back in the gym, was in for a couple of days and heard it again, took a couple of days and got to two weeks out and I heard it again. So I'm like, dude, now I don't have a choice at this point. You know, it, it wasn't like it's like an elbow or, or a shoulder where you can kind of like move other things. Like this was affecting everything, man, from going to the bathroom, coughing, sleeping, standing right. up, Putting my shirt on, it was just so, it, it was a massive, massive annoyance. Um, and I'll never talk shit about people who have back pain now, dude. Like, I, I was one of those guys, like, oh, it's back pain. Shut up, you'll be fine. Rub some dirt on it. But, right. like, dude, that, that's a real thing. Um, so I took, I took, like, three and a half weeks off of completely everything. And then I did four weeks of PT. Uh, and then I was, dude, I was golden. Honest, honest to God, man, I've never, like, my body feels money right now. I didn't let myself get fat. Um, I've been within striking distance of making weight since wow. February, you know, since Impressive. February. So yeah, so I, I've been I've been staying super disciplined. I was hoping to get in like May and you know instead of July, not wait for. You know, it's been since September, man. I'm coming off a big win. I want to ride it a little bit, right? Um, but man, it, it, it's all right. Everything happens for a reason, man. I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a I'm in a good spot. I'm in. I feel like I'm where I should be. I got a tough task on hand and on Saturday night. We're gonna make some noise. Um, It'll it'll all be worth the wait, just like the wait was worth the last time, man. I'm just I'm I'm just happy to be here, man. Not not to focus too much on the injury, but you know, backs are you know tough to deal with. They're incredibly difficult to actually fully heal. You know, people with bad backs will say that you never really get over a bad back. What did you do? Did you work with anyone like specifically to you know ensure that you could be the the fighter that you were prior to this injury? Yeah, man. So at I work out at um at the Root Performance in in Boca Raton. And they have a really good guy there's named Chris Ditto. Chris Ditto did a ton of work with me um, with all things corrective with, with my back, my hips, my hamstrings, and even as low as like my ankles. Mm. Um, my back, my, 
the, the actual back injury, I guess you could say, didn't derive from the actual back. Okay. Um, what people may not know is that going into my last fight, I, got, I had to get an MRI after my last fight. Going into it, I had a suspected uh, tear in my hip, in one of my hip, uh, one of my hip flexors. Oh, wow. So I think that, I think that it caused like an overcompensation on my back, which sure. just kind of like nodded everything else up. Um, but yeah, we're past it now, man. Um, I haven't had any flare-ups with my back at all whatsoever. Nothing with my hip. Um, Chris, Chris, Chris Ditto is a magician. I feel 100%, man. I'm ready to go. That's awesome. Let's talk about momentum because, I mean, you, you're a finisher. You go out there and you get things done. And, and it's why people, I think, are, are being uh, drawn to you in a, a very s intrigued sort of way, Randy. You're taking on another guy, and Adrian Yanez, who's also a finisher. He likes to get after it. Like, I, I don't want to put pressure on you, but, like, you got to believe that this might be a war coming up on Saturday. Sounds good, man. I'd, I, I mean, I wouldn't be mad at another $50,000 check. Right. Yeah. Sounds good I mean, to me. I'm, ex I'm, ex I'm expecting a war. Adrian, Adrian's a beast, man. He's nasty. Yeah. Um, this fight didn't get put together because, you know, I wanted to fight a bum or he wanted to fight a bum or this was just such a boring matchup. It got put together for the exact opposite reason. We knew that this was going to be a, a tough fight. I'm sure Adrian knew that knows that this is probably going to be a tough fight. But, dude, I mean, we're in the UFC. Like, we, right. we didn't get here to have handouts. Like, I want to I wanna go – I want to compete against somebody who, who, one, I respect. I have a lot of respect for Adrian. And, number two, that I, I want to, like, I want to contest my skills against him. I, I, I realize the threats, the threats that he has. I know how good he is. Um, I'm sure he knows that I pose some threats. He posed a lot of threats for me. I'm just like the competitive side of me just really wants to, you know, I don't have any malicious intent or any sure. ill will at all whatsoever towards Adrian. I just want to compete against his skill set. Dude, believe me, if, if I could watch this fight from the side, but have us fighting each other, I would do it because this fight is so much fun. But I, I mean, I'm in the driver's seat. I can't wait. I can't fucking wait, man. We can't wait either. I love to hear that enthusiasm in your voice too. I mean, you know, $50,000, it's always up for grabs on any given fight night. And it sounds like you're going to do your part to go out there and try to get that. Yeah, man, we're going to, I'm going that for that in every fight. You know, there, there are, there are a lot of fighters that talk about, they go for the finish every single fight. Like my, my resume speaks for itself. If you right. look at the first punch I throw in every single fight, I, I throw it with 200%. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't go out there to hang out. I go out there to, to go in there and put on a show, chase a finish, Try to get a check and, and just, you know, kind of build my brand a little bit. You know, th this stuff is so scary, dude, but I love it so much just because it it makes me step outside of my comfort zone. It makes me grow a little bit. Like, dude, Adrian's tough. Adrian could sleep me, you know, in, in 10 seconds. Right. I could sleep him in 10 seconds. Let's let's go, let's go test it out. See who's who falls asleep first. You know, it's just I I'm really excited, man. I'm really excited. Let me ask you this. Obviously, you, you respect Adrian. This is going to be a fun fight to, to watch for us. But do you watch Adrian prior to your meeting? Are you a big tape study guy? Dude, you know, it's funny. Normally, probably not. Maybe like one or two times. But with Adrian, it was different. I was like a like a fan of his off of the contender series, like with his whole story yeah. and his fighting style. You know, I was, I was, you know, watching his fights in the UFC. And I was telling my girlfriend, like, hey, this kid's fucking good. Like, this is so, you know, I want to compete against him. This is going to be all like, this is going to be a wicked fun fight, you know. I like his story. I like what he's about. He's like, you know, he's a real martial artist. He's super respectful. He's not out there like, you know, being a dickhead to people, talking trash, you know, this, that. He's just going out there, shake your hand. We'll get into a fight. We'll shake your hand after, you know? Right. Um, yeah, dude, I'm a fan of Adrian. I love I love the style he has. Uh, win, lose, or draw, I'm going to tune into every single one of Adrian's fights. And I'm probably going to be rooting for him um, after Saturday night. But until Saturday night, I'm not going to root for him.
Well, I think everybody watching this, Randy's going to be rooting for both of you because this is a, a killer fight on paper. We'll see how it plays out in the octagon over the course of 15 minutes. And it's definitely on my short list for fight of the night contenders, to, to say the least. And best of luck to you in it. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Enjoy the show, man. It's going to be an awesome one. The new film from Paramount Pictures, Snake Eyes, is headed your way on July 23rd. Please be joined now by actor Henry Golding. Henry, this is a film that checks all those boxes when you look at the trailer in itself. Like, everything you would want from uh, an action, high-paced, energy film is right there. What was it like being a part of this project? Dude, it was absolutely phenomenal. You know, uh, G.I. Joe has been around for, for years, and the, there's a massive, very, very strong... Um, fan base. So for us to sort of um, wipe the slate clean, start from scratch from what we know the movies to be, and really focus on one of the most iconic characters was really important for us um, because we haven't had that luxury up until now. Um, and to focus on a character like Snake Eyes, uh, we needed to make a dimensional sort of, uh, I suppose, a, a dimensionality behind him. Yeah. Um, because you don't just want, oh, yeah, he's the unexplainable badass who can, like, dispatch anybody. He's he's the weapon that you throw in the room and he comes out sort of gleaming and glistening in blood. Um, you want to see his hardships. You want to see what he's been through to get to the place that he is. You know, I, I love that you bring up the, the fact that this is the origin story because G.I. Joe was the you know, golden age of toys for, for my childhood. And you always kind of wanted more, even if you didn't know it as a kid, you wanted that story because when you face it, when we play as children, we replicate what we know as, as sort of real. And granted, this is all in a, a fictitious world, but there's so much more background now moving forward with this franchise, I think, and what you guys establish here. Yeah, exactly. We wanted to set the tone as to how to lay the foundation for the rest of the, of the G.I. Joe kind of story to unfold. Um, the only way we could do that, one, was to build the genesis of the relationship between Snake and Storm Shadow. Because it's the, and such an iconic um, uh, brotherhood, which leads us to so many stories of where, you know, one, they're enemies, they're complete, absolute adversaries, to when they're fighting um, together for the greater good, and then back again to, to sort of being arch nemesis, you need to understand where that all stems from. And that's what we explore in this film, and the bond that and how they sort of build that. Tell me when you were you know, involved with this, obviously you're a professional actor, you're trying to do your job the, the best you can, but did, did you feel like a kid again? Because again, this is almost a, a dream for anyone I think that actually played with G.I. Joe. I mean, every moment you get on a, a project, something like this, it's, it's like being thrown or being, being given the keys to the greatest playground you could ever imagine. It's like having the bull pit, uh, the water slides, the trampolines all built up in one thing because we get to play and imagine. And yeah, I, I grew up just like you, pretending to be a ninja on, on the right. playground, sort of sneaking up to my friends, climbing trees. Um, so to be able to sort of play in that world and then also kind of watch it at the end of the day on the big screen and be like, holy moly, that's, it's quite the souvenir and it's, and it's something to give, um, to sort of the fans out there who have been so kind of, uh, I suppose they're, they're so sort of protective over, over the Joe stuff because I really wanted to create more fans um, so that this kind of ongoing franchise can continue to blossom. 
it's a, a phenomenal project. I, I can't wait for the world to see it coming out here on July 23rd. Things are getting back to normal. You know, a rush to theaters is, is something that I think a lot of people are excited to get back to. And what better title uh, than this? Uh, do you see um, any of your own sort of personal touches on this? Do you feel like you impacted the way that this film with your own personal style will be you know, seen in the, in, in the film? Yeah, I think um, the sense of um, kind of jeopardy in, in knowing that the man behind the mask is just like you and me. Right. He's a guy who has been through the ringer, who's made amends for like his past mistakes, but he's on a journey of improving himself, not only physically, because we see him as a scrapper at the beginning of this movie, a guy yeah. who's, who's had to survive on the streets. But then we see him sort of fine-tuned into this crazy sort of ninja and, and operative uh, with the Rashikage. Um, so for me, it was it was important to bring a sense of humanity to the moments where he's not kicking ass, a sense of kind of sorrow, and um, I suppose a sense of yearning for family. That's that's something that I, I wanted the audience members to go away with. Henry, I'm curious. We learn a lot about the origin story here of Snake Eyes, but did you learn anything about yourself as, you know, either a human or an actor in working on this film? I, I, I found out that uh, if, if I can manage to do a film like Snake Eyes, like there's no action film um, that will be a challenge as much as this one, because it's really jumping into the deep end. We have your, your, your gun battles and explosive sort of action stories, uh, but something so orientated in kind of like martial arts and movement, uh, physically, it's so demanding. Um, so uh, I, I say bring it on to, uh, to every other project that, uh, that comes now. Awesome, Henry. Can't wait for uh, the world again to see it July 23rd. I'm seeing billboards all, all over the place here in L.A. for it. Uh, you know, it's, it's right about time to uh, take this to the masses, and uh, we're excited to see how well it performs. I'm sure it's going to do uh, quite well for itself and, and yourself. I appreciate the time, Henry. Appreciate it, ZJ. You take care. UFC Fight Pass is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.